Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Our Big Show, the weekly podcast where we talk Rutgers football and big time football. And this is week number seven of the college football season as we enter into the uh, middle portion of the season, the crucial in conference games that will obviously at a higher level uh, shape the way that the national championship run will take place. And then uh, at a secondary level for a lot of programs, uh, for instance, like Rutgers and also Indiana this week, these are the games that will determine uh, who goes bowling and who doesn't this year. So uh, the Rutgers Scholar Knights are fresh off a tough, tough loss, a 31-24 loss over at home Michigan State this past uh, Saturday night. And, uh, you know, I say I'm, I'm I'm not one for morale victories or, or you know, play to close. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's be honest with all that was going on with Rutgers uh, this year, uh, the turmoil around the program, the coach being suspended, the arrest, et cetera. Uh, they, they really needed to put a good showing out there. Obviously, you wanted to win the game. Because I, as I said, around this time of the year, it becomes a little bit of a numbers game when you're starting to piece out uh victories and the mag getting to a magic number of six with this type of schedule uh, will not be easy considering they already have uh, a loss against, say, a Washington State and their Penn State. So uh, you, you want to steal a game like this. But uh, the team uh, obviously put forth its best effort. Uh, Leontay Carew was unstoppable. And uh, it was a tough loss, but it was a great atmosphere again. And like I say, kind of uh, was able to portray – what Rutgers wants to 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 the many recruits that were there, and uh, that is, uh, you know, the the it's an event-driven area, the New York City metropolitan area. And if you have an event, people will come, people will show up, and and the team has a core foundation that can compete with uh, most everybody in this league. But it's obviously lacking and missing some of the top players and the top talent that uh, would would put you forth in, in a game like this, and uh, you know. I think one of the biggest plays of the game was towards the end of that fourth quarter. Obviously, the game was tied. Uh, it was third and eight, and Michigan State was facing its own, uh, coming out of its own side of the field and, and had a big completion. And, uh, you know, uh, that going against the cornerbacks, you know, young kids that are out there fighting, but uh, that is where the team was uh, decimated in terms of the players suspended and shorthanded and, uh, you know, makes you wonder, you know, if some of these other players that, you know, you add a two or three of the top players in the state to this program, uh, you know, they can pull out those games because those are the kind of players who make plays in those situations. So, uh, you know, we move forward. We take on, on Indiana. Obviously, Indiana is a program that Rutgers won last year on its route to go in seven and five. Again, getting back to the numbers game right now, two and three. And if you're looking at the schedule, which we are, after this game is Ohio State coming uh, to uh, the banks. Another 8 o'clock game, and I think uh, most will say you may not be expecting the same type of uh, game as it was against Michigan State. But uh, after Ohio State, uh, go out to Wisconsin, um, and then there's Michigan, and then there's Nebraska uh, before the season ends of Army and, and Maryland. And if you're looking to get to six at this point at two and three, you have to win, obviously, Army. You have to, obviously, win Maryland at home. Uh, you know, that's that's four wins. Where are the other two wins coming from? 
and and you know this is a game that Rutgers needs to win if you want to get that fifth win and pull out one of those four games in, in that next uh, I guess chunk of the schedule. So without further ado, I want to welcome to the show Sam from uh, HoosierHuddle.com. He's been a friend of the show. He's come on uh, a couple weeks ago as we previewed uh, the the matchup with. Indiana hosting Ohio State and 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 turned out to be a great game and we talked about that one and a tough loss uh, similar to uh, the fashion that Rutgers lost you know, this past weekend. Yeah, that definitely was. Um, it, it's great to be on again, Jerry. And uh, you're, you're right. I was, I was listening to your opening monologue. This is a game that teams like Indiana Rutgers need to win uh, to get to that magic number six. Yeah, and and you you know bring up a, a good point because both of these teams are in, in similar situations. Uh, you know, obviously Indiana has a little head start in the numbers uh, with the four victories, but you know the the grueling schedule that 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 you face in the Big Ten. You know, when there's teams and opportunities uh, to win, uh, you, you really have to take advantage of it. Um, now, of course, Indiana is coming into this game after a, a loss uh, at, at uh, against Penn State. But the big story is the, the injuries. Uh, right now, they went into that game minus a quarterback, minus the running back. Uh, can you uh, give us an update if there is any on terms of uh, the injury situation? Um, I, I wish I could. Uh we still don't know. Wilson put out a depth chart on Tuesday. Uh, take it for what you will. Um, it says Nate Sudfeld is listed as a starter, Xander Diamant as the backup quarterback, although I don't expect Xander to play. He left the game at Penn State in the sling. Uh, Wilson said on Monday that he was out for a couple of weeks. Um, so the depth chart, make of it what you will. Um, he just puts it out there to satisfy people's needs. I think you're going to see a kind of uh, a game-time decision on both Howard and Sudfeld, um, kind of like last week where they both came out for warm-ups, uh, but neither of them played. So, you know, basically Indiana fans are going to be holding their breath up until uh, up until kickoff. Now, I think, um, you know, it's safe to say that it's, it's a huge drop from – Sudfeld, uh, you know, last year Rutgers uh, faced um, Diamond, and, and it was you know, just uh, a, a difficult. And to this day, I say one of the most amazing performances uh, that I've seen when uh, Tenor Coleman had over 300 yards rushing with the type of passing game that he had behind him uh, was was kind of uh, amazing, really. And uh, you know, it's now you're running back uh, Howard, who's obviously done a, a pretty decent job of filling in for Coleman. But banged up, it's even more of a of, of a task, and uh, I think a big drop off uh, between going from uh, Sunfeld, you know, to Diamond uh, or or uh, the third quarterback over there. Do you agree? Uh, yeah. Um, if we're gonna put it in terms in terms of that, the drop off from from Sudfeld to I think it would be Danny Cameron would be uh, the backup going into Saturday is much larger than the drop-off is between Howard and Redding. I think Indiana can survive if they have Sudfeld back at quarterback and Redding at uh, running back, but cannot survive if it was the other way around with Howard back at running back and and, uh, Sudfeld out at quarterback. 
Uh, so Sudfeld gives his team uh, something that has been lacking uh, since he was injured. It's a passing game. It's the threat of a pass. Uh, and guy and teams can't put seven, eight, nine guys in the box anymore if he's playing. Now, um, by the way, I want to have uh, you know my listeners make sure to check out uh, HoosierHuddle.com. Uh, um, I know we're working on a Q and A. I'm assuming probably get out over the next two days. Uh, so you kind of will touch some of the uh, topics that we'll touch here today. But uh, you know, kind of want to ask you some questions from the I guess the Indiana perspective. Uh, uh, you know. Obviously, again, it's it's hard for you to tell because you don't know exactly who's the quarterback. But uh, you know, both both are mobile guys, uh, and and it seems like the offense is it, it's built on a mobile quarterback. What are, what are the I guess kind of weaknesses and and are, are Indiana looking to exploit on on the Rutgers side when they have the ball? Uh, you know, I think going tempo is going to be one thing. They like to to run uh, up tempo offense. And, and really being a multiple-dimension offense, just like Rutgers, where Indiana can run with them. And, you know, I'll put this out there as if everybody's healthy. Um, if Indiana's healthy, they can run and pass the ball with the best of them on offense, and it, and it really makes them difficult to guard. Uh, you can't stack the box because Sudfeld will pick you apart uh, throwing the ball, and you can't really uh, – you know, go out and spread out and, and guard the pass uh, and, and double and triple team guys because Jordan Howard uh, will run over your defenders and, and get six, seven, eight yards of carry. Uh, so that's I, I think they'll they'll try and um, if if both of these guys are healthy, they're going to try and uh, you know attack them from from both sides and, and make sure that they don't get one dimensional. Now uh, defensively, obviously, when Rutgers has the ball, there's no secret that they're going to look to run the ball. They're going to run and, and run, and it sets up, uh, you know, play action pass, it sets up uh, the rollouts that we saw Lavia, Chris Laviano do last week. Uh, I think it's no secret that Laviano is going to look to Carew uh, often. Uh, you know, I'm not sure whether whether Michigan State perhaps uh, built most of its uh, game plan early in the, in the week, uh, but, you know, they, there was a lot of uh, single coverage there. I'm assuming that Indiana will not do that this week and, and look to find ways to uh, at least show some help over there. But uh, defensively, uh, you know, what are some of the concerns from the uh, Hoosiers side of the ball? Well, talking to players on Monday, their big thing was stopping the run. Uh, multiple players, Nick Mangieri and Zach Shaw, who are uh, both on the defensive line for the Hoosiers, both pointed out that if you stop the run, and make a, make Rutgers one-dimensional that you can, you know, start rushing the passer and making a dent in that passing game where you can, you know, Laurent Carew, what does he have, like six touchdowns in two and a half games? He's an absolute monster, um, monster of a player. So he's going to be a concern. So if you could take away one of those things, uh, you probably can't take away both, but if you can limit the run a little bit and, and force them into throwing situations, then you could defend it a little easier, maybe double-team Carew uh, or, you know, get them into situations where it won't be easy to pass the ball. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of that, again, from the Indiana perspective and Rutgers perspective also be, you know, it's an old adage about controlling the line of scrimmage, but, uh, you, you know, also keeping – uh, like you said, the tempo, uh, keeping uh, control of the ball. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know even looking at what 
Indiana was able to accomplish against Ohio State. I mean, Sutho did not have huge numbers passing. Like, you know, it was 10 out of 21, 134 yards. But between him and, and Diamond, they were able to, to you know, get over 100 yards rushing. So they like to pick up those those first downs, run the ball, spread the guys out, and just keep the keep the defense off the field. And, and Rutgers is looking to do the same thing, particularly with the young defensive backfield. So uh, in terms of the uh, health-wise, we you know, obviously a lot of focus on the quarterback situation for Indiana and the running backs. How about uh, defensively? Are they coming in uh, full strength? Are there any uh, injuries uh, to look out for? They're coming in full strength. Uh, they got Darius Latham back from suspension last week. Uh, he's one of their bigger defensive linemen. Uh, they – so no, nobody's out injury-wise that uh, I know of, uh, unless they're keeping it a secret. Uh, but it appears everybody's healthy and, and ready to go. Now, in terms of this is a 3:30 game, homecoming game. Um, you know, again, Rutgers not a traditional opponent um, for homecoming. Now, obviously, uh, you know, I, you know, I'll be honest. I'm sure the Indiana fans are looking at this as, as one of those games, as we mentioned, that they can win. Um, so, you know, what is the, the feeling of the fans uh, in terms of, you know, getting into the stadium? Uh, you know, obviously it's not going to be an Ohio State type of atmosphere, but, uh, you know, what is the feeling of uh, how uh, the reception will be on a homecoming day? Well, uh, you know, I think there's a feeling of, of kind of panic around the program right now, uh, especially with the health of uh, Sudfeld and Jordan Howard. But it is homecoming. A lot of people are back in town. Uh, they had a great show uh, with Ohio, the Ohio State game. So I expect a, a pretty big crowd. I wouldn't be shocked if it um, you know, was 45,000 or so. I also wouldn't be shocked if it was less than that. It's supposed to be absolutely beautiful, um, I think, in the 50s and sunny. Uh, so I'd expect a big crowd. There is sort of a panic. Uh, this is a must win. This is the biggest game in the Kevin Wilson era Um because this is a game, you know, they can win. And it's no disrespect to Rutgers, but it is a 50-50 game that IU gets at home. So it's a, you know, you're supposed to win those games. Uh, so this is, like you said, one of the six wins that you're counting on. Uh, so you don't have to go on the road next week at Michigan State and try and pull an upset. And then you, you follow that up with a bye week. And then you have Iowa and Michigan, who are two very, very good teams at home and then try and get two wins on the road at Maryland and at Purdue. So um, this is there should be a buzz about the game. Uh, you know, social media-wise, it, it really hasn't taken off yet, but uh, it is homecoming. The weather's going to be good, and I, I do expect a good turnout. Uh, again, yeah, great point. I mean, you, you know, looking at uh, that schedule, obviously, you know, I mentioned Rutgers will be playing Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan in a row. Uh, you know, Michigan State, Iowa, and Michigan is not too shabby as well. Number seven, number seventeen, and number twelve. So, uh, not only that, it, it's also in terms of, uh, and this goes the same for both teams, Rutgers and Indiana. Uh, the magnitude of losing what it means, uh, because you know, if you're Indiana and you lose this game, you are now once four and zero. You're four and three, and again, you're facing these three games. Where you know, where are you going to get your wins? And then you're looking into November where everyone's beat up, everyone's down, and, and it's just a change of momentum. Whereas you win the game, you're 5-2. and two. Even if you struggled in the next two games, it, it's still 
you have a chance to pull out one against Maryland or Purdue and still have a happy ending to the season in terms of a bowl. And Rutgers on the flip side, same thing. If they don't win this game, you know, they're not beating Ohio State. And then you have, obviously, Michigan or Wisconsin and Michigan. You're looking at potentially going 2-7 and seven before. To me, I think they can steal one out if the atmosphere is right against Nebraska. But, you know, you're not talking about – uh, being any better than two and seven if they lose, so it becomes uh, very, very, as you said, panicky with the fans. Uh, the negativity surrounds both programs very quickly with a loss. Yeah, and that's right. And then you have to take into account that there are going to be multiple coaching changes in the off season. Uh, you ha- and not only in the Big Ten but around the country. You had Steve Spurrier resigned this week. If uh, Sarkeesian out at USC, um, Edsel's out at Maryland. Illinois is going to be hiring a new coach. Um, there are rumors flying about Purdue's coach. And even at Rutgers, you know, I, you know that situation better than me. They might be uh, looking for a new head coach as well. So this is a game where if, uh, from the Indiana perspective, if you do lose, you're 4-3. and three, You're probably going to be 4-4 four and four heading into the bye week. And if you don't get to six wins, it's been five years. When is enough? And uh, – you know, and when do you start pulling plugs and and really start planning for the future? That's a great point. Again, if Rutgers loses, you know, with the Ohio State game right after, you know, you're definitely looking at at two and five, and um, some difficult conversations coming up. And um, uh, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of openings, even in the Big Ten, you're potentially so uh, it it becomes contagious. I think too. So. Big win, big game for both teams, and a much um, needed part uh, in, uh, in, in for for bowl hopes or and just keeping the positivity of, of also recruiting that goes on throughout the season. So, uh, you know, one of those. If for us, the big one, three thirty at uh, in the Big Ten Network. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to kind of take a look at some of the other games uh, that are coming up uh, this week. Obviously, uh, you know. I'm, Big one, I think, is, is Michigan, Michigan State. Is that this week, right? Yeah, uh, that's this week. It's also at 3.30, which is, you know, is a pain in the butt for me because that's a game I'd like to watch, uh, but I'll be covering uh, IU Rutgers. Uh, but that, that's a huge game. And, and, you know, now how does Michigan handle this success? Uh, they're going to be favored in the game. I think they're touchdown favorites or something. Uh, the last time I looked at the line, but that atmosphere up there, it's amazing how fast Jim Harbaugh has turned that around. That opening week loss to Utah doesn't look as bad now as it did uh, when it happened. But th- that's going to determine, you know, maybe who comes out of the East. No, definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I would, one thing I would say from being at the game last week in person, uh, you know, Michigan State, and, uh, you know, obviously this is something about the Big Ten that, that you know, Rutgers uh, fans are probably getting used to. Or, 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 you know, there was moments, obviously, when the game, you know, where the crowd gets very much into it. Now, you know, obviously we're 54,000. It's not, you know, 100 or 100, and, you know, whatever. I was in Penn State, 103, that gets out there. But I, w- I was actually impressed with never once did you really see Michigan State actually sweat or, or be unraveled. I mean, things were not going as planned for them, but they never un- unraveled. And uh, I, I, there, there's something to be said for that to me. And I think <laughs> they're being discounted almost a little bit too much. And then Michigan is uh, – and I think Harbaugh has done a great thing in terms of getting the players to play with his philosophy. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, that – 
still, you know, there is a difference, I believe, in talent, and I think Michigan State has been a little bit uh, underrated going into this game. Yeah, I, I believe that too. And, you know, it all goes back to that little brother comment I think they made in, I think it was 2007. Um, and, and that's what the great teams do is that when they get into that environment, they don't sweat. They they believe they're going to win, and they trust their process. And, you know, I watched the Big Ten and 60 of your uh, of your guys' game last week, and it just seemed that, that they were, like you said, cool, calm, and collected. And going into Michigan, now they have that chip on their shoulder, and that's how D'Antonio likes his teams to play is that, oh, their, their time's over. Uh, you know, Michigan's time is now. Michigan's back. It's back to being little brother. So it'll definitely it'll be a big-time environment out there, and, you know, it'll be a big-time Big Ten game uh, That that's must-watch television. Yep, yep. Well, uh, I'm sure they'll have it on in the uh, in the box where you're checking it out, and uh, I'll be flipping back and forth a little bit in between. The rest of the schedule, you know, not too many. Uh, I mean, I was, Penn State will be going into Ohio State. Uh, you know, there's some, you know, Nebraska and Minnesota actually look like that was going to be, you know, perhaps the game that would decide the West. But, you know, now you have two teams that are, are you know, especially Nebraska struggling a bit. Oh man, uh, Nebraska! You got to feel bad for Nebraska fans. Um, they've had four last-minute losses, and you know that's just tough to deal with. Uh, you know, um, so we'll see. Nebraska, Minnesota—that that's a game that that Minnesota came off a win last week at Purdue, uh, where they kind of refound themselves as a running team. So maybe uh, maybe they'll get that offense going. Uh, Nebraska needs to get back on track. There's still six wins out there for for them, and I think for Mike Riley to get to that six wins and get to a bowl game will make his job that much easier. Because if you 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 you're replacing a guy who's who won nine games every year, and now if you come in and win four or five games, it doesn't matter how you lose them, you still you know you're still losing a lot, and they're not used to that at Nebraska. So I think that's a it's going to be a tough game going up to Minnesota, but um, it'll be another good game to watch. It might be a little ugly, but uh, that's what the Big Ten West is. Yeah, that's a, a you know perhaps another last minute end, ending there, and then we jump from uh, you know the game that probably would have been the deciding game of the West to the game that looks like it could be in terms of number seventeen Iowa uh, going out to to number twenty Northwestern now. Of course, Northwestern was humbled a little bit with uh, uh, the shutout, um, you know, beatdown really at at Michigan, and uh, you know, this is a team that had you know good wins over Stanford, but obviously looked good, and you know, Iowa just keeps chugging along, and you know, now this is an opportunity again for them to to make a statement in uh, Northwestern to see if they can uh, turn it around after that that uh, you know one sided game. Definitely, and Northwestern has shown the ability to not bounce back from losses. Uh, they lost to Ohio State a couple years ago, and it really tanked almost two seasons for them. Uh, but, you know, Iowa's going in there a little beat up. Drew Ott, their uh, stud defensive lineman's out for the year. I'm hearing uh, whispers and rumors that C.J. Beathard might be questionable for that game. Uh, it'll be a, a good atmosphere up in Evanston, and, and you know that Pat Fitzgerald wants to turn that around and get to that uh, sixth win and and keep in the race in the West. 
I remember that game specifically, actually, that you said that Northwest Ohio, Northwest Ohio State and Northwestern is doing really well, kind of similar to, to this and one of the more physical games. And, and just uh, after that game, it, it seemed like they really were not the same. And like you said, it almost took a, you know over a year to, to recuperate. So uh, same kind of position again here, and you know, we'll see how this ends up. So some good football out there, Big Ten football this this week. So everyone, uh, you know, get an opportunity to uh, – Check out these games. Sam, I appreciate you coming on the show and tell everybody to check out uh, com. And again, I'll look out for my uh, Q&A on, on, on your site. And I always love uh, talking uh, Big Ten football with you. All right. Always a pleasure talking football, Jerry. Uh, enjoy the game. Uh, hopefully it comes across well on TV. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Always a good time chatting, uh, Big Ten. And one thing I, I, I've learned in doing this with the with the podcast and, uh, you know, the Big Ten is uh, is that, you know, these guys know, not only they love their football, is that they, they know their football. And uh, uh, it's always easy to find uh, a good conversation. And, and uh, you know, obviously some of these programs that have been around for a long time, but they keep their eye out on everyone. And, and it's you know, as someone's saying, you know, he's obviously it's going to be Indiana Rutgers, but you know, you want to peek at the Michigan Michigan State game, and there's a lot of good football out there, um, and and it's you know that old school twelve o'clock three thirty games if you flip on the TV, so uh, definitely a good another good weekend. Uh, without further ado, we'll flip it back uh, from Big Ten and talk back to the Rutgers side of things, and I want to welcome uh, another Sam who's been on the show. Uh, uh, Sam Hellman from ScholarReport.com uh, and a scout uh, affiliate, obviously. And Sam, welcome back to the show. Uh, good evening, and thank you for having me yet again, Jerry. And uh, before I jump into uh, getting some questions of you, I just want to throw out the number 914-338-1694. In about uh, 15, we'll start taking some calls, and anyone wants to uh, chime in on, on Rutgers and Rutgers, Indiana. So Sam, I guess the big question for you know you as someone that you know gets uh, you know some access out there in the Hale Center and things uh, this week, the news being that Kyle Flood returning from his uh, suspension. Uh, you know, first I want to ask, uh, you know, one was how was the uh, you know I think it was the Monday morning, the Monday press conference, his first press conference with the media, especially considering some of the. Uh, contentious, I guess, uh, feelings out there. And then, uh, you know, in terms of the team, you know, did, was there any difference uh, with him coming back or, uh, you know, really he was just jumping right back in? Uh, you know, I'll start with uh, the first part of your question, talking about uh, this Monday press conference. You know, it, it was raw. It was a little awkward, you know, seeing Kyle Flood again, Kyle Flood speaking for the first time in a month. Mm-hmm. And Flood knew, as well as everyone sitting in there from the media perspective, knew that it was going to be, you know, a 10-, 15-minute grill session. You know, Flood has not addressed his transgressions or, you know, other alleged issues since the suspension. So that was really the whole purpose of Monday was for him to address it all, and I thought he did a great job. He, you know, took responsibility where it needed to be taken for some of the mistakes that he made. He didn't duck any questions, and he received a lot of hard ones. I thought he did a very good job. And then in talking to the players afterwards and later in the week, they don't really care. It, you know, they just want to play football. They they don't care about this stuff. 
they're very happy to have their head coach back, but he's been around the whole time from their perspective. So really the players, they don't care. They just want to play football, and I think they really want to get out there even more after coming so close with that taste of an upset against Michigan State. They just want to play football again. Yeah, and I touched base with uh, uh, Sambi Forth and HoosierAuto.com on, on how important this game is for, for both teams. And, 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 you know, as you mentioned, I, yeah, some coming so close to win, but, but now this is a game that they really need to win in terms of keeping this season on the right way and going towards, uh, you know, getting a, another bowl berth. Now, in terms of the, the coaching, I guess, really, you know, as, as you mentioned now, he, he Coach Flood was still working the practices. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, Kyle Flood did absolutely everything except for work on Saturdays. On Saturday, he could not speak to anybody. He could not be on campus. He pretty much just had to sit home, hang out with his family, and watch the games on TV like the rest of us. Okay. And then, obviously, now, um, you know, Coach Wilson, uh, who, who I think did a good job. Uh, you know, one of the things that he did, uh, in, you probably know, you know, one of the quicker uh, first interviews that were out there. Um, but with doing that, and, and he kind of deflected a lot of attention onto himself uh, and, and, you know, protected the team and protected the players when, you know, the person who normally would do that, Flood, is not there. Uh, so now he kind of slides back, really, I guess, uh, you know, not so much until he was still the running backs coach on on Saturday as well, but I guess gets this, this, things get to be back to normal as they were uh, on on any other Saturday. Yeah, you, you know, I, I, Norris Wilson is a very very intelligent man. He he coached in the Ivy League for a long time. He he knows what he's doing, and you know what his he attacked it with humor sometimes. He attacked it with awkwardness other times. But I felt like he was in control of the situation anytime he came out there to speak. And, and, you know, sometimes he came off a little goofy, but I think that was his intent. And as far as Saturdays, I thought he did just as good a job as Flood would have done. I understand that Norris Wilson took the blame for that fourth down spike against Michigan State, which was meaningless in the grand scheme of things. But from everyone that I've spoken to, that was that was O.C. Ben McDaniels calling in for the spike when they all lost track of the down. It's embarrassing, but I can't really blame Wilson for it, and I give him credit for standing up and putting all the blame on his shoulders, as the associate head coach should do. Uh, you know, I'll be honest to you, I was in the stands, and I actually, for that second thought, it was still third down. I don't know why, I haven't gone back to look at it, but um, I, I I was thinking that they were going to get off the play, but then when he spiked it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, it's third down, and then I realized it was fourth down. So, uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned uh you know the coaches, and it's everyone gets caught in that frenetic moment that it's hard and sometimes could lose. And one of those things that actually irked me too as a Rutgers fan because Rutgers played such a great game, and of course you know how the internet is, and you get this clip, and it just gets you know goes viral, and it's you know as you said really had no bearing on the game unless you expect the guy to uh, snap a ball or run with. Five seconds, four, three, two, one. Heave it up in the end zone, and and you win. It's you know had nothing to do with the outcome, but uh, you know interesting point. And as you said, I think Wilson did a great job of of uh, doing what he was supposed to do. And uh, you know now they move back on. And now you know getting back to the the first part of the question for those of us who you know didn't follow as closely, and uh, you know you know what were some of the questions that Coach Flood uh, got 
you know, hit with at that first uh, uh, press conference back? You know, it was it was 99% about off-the-field issues and 1% about football, which I'm not a fan of, but at the same time I understand why it happened. I'd say about half the questions were rehashing this whole email situation, you know, talking about what led to the suspension, talking about his apology and his standing within the university. But then the other half is what's more interesting to me and what I think is important when you look at the future of the program. The other half was discussing the the ongoing investigation into the athletic department regarding the drug policy, regarding the uh, recruiting ambassadors. These are issues that are being investigated and you know, until we see that investigation, that could be something very interesting. It could be meaningless, and it could be trouble. Hmm. Um, it's a good point, right? Because obviously, within one of these, um, you know, uh, the, the many arrests that took place, uh, you know, was the allegation that one of the players, you know, that I had, he, you know, said that he had, had a marijuana problem and had several failed several tests. Uh, and, and then you bring up also, uh, you know, just it, uh, the whole investigation around the program. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting because whether or not people, whatever those findings are, and then how normal they are, because we also got to know what the NCAA policy is in terms of, of drug testing, and uh, there really isn't one. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, what goes on in other programs, you, you know, it's, it's – it, it, you know, very rarely do players ever get suspended for that, right? I mean, usually. Uh, so, so it's going to be interesting to see how it's portrayed in the media and how it's portrayed as Rutgers. Or is it a Rutgers problem, or this is also a college football problem? We know where the local media will go after it first, but oh yeah, uh, you know, the education of the fans, you know, whether people are ready to stomach some of these things is going to be interesting. Yeah, I agree. Now is it a Rutgers problem or a college football problem? It's obviously a college football problem. Anyone that has the internet knows that. But as far as Rutgers, you know, it's tough to say, it's tough to comment too much because we haven't seen the results yet. You know, it's tough to draw any conclusions, make any predictions. But the important thing to keep in mind is that it's not necessarily an investigation into Kyle Flood. It's about the athletic department. And that, that goes back to Julie Herman and all the way down. This is not, Specifically, an attack on Kyle Flood. Hmm. So you bring up uh, uh, you bring up the possibility that there's still more uh, trouble brewing in the future. I guess you could say, right? And 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 you know, there's not a secret that not everyone uh, is happy with Herman uh, from the athletic director standpoint either. So uh, interesting, interesting to hear that. Yeah, well, I mean, it is Rutgers. I think we're all used to trouble at this point as people that have followed the program, gone to the school. At some point, Rutgers, you know, it's I knew you were trouble when you walked in, but we'll see how bad it is or how meaningless it is in the next couple of days. Yeah, and I think, you know, now what's big about that is also the uh, – and, and this goes circles back to this game itself uh, – you know, I mentioned just you know the numbers game in terms of getting to a bowl game. Rutgers is two and three. They they really need to win this game. I mean, uh, you, you know it's coming next week. Uh, you lose this game to two, you, you know, you're two and four. You're going to be two and five, uh, minus a miracle. You know, an upset at Wisconsin. You're looking at 
two and six. You got another trip to to Michigan, and, and then things would just get so ugly. And we all remember, uh, you know, what happened. Kind of what you know got them in a little bit in this position a couple of years ago, uh, two years ago when things fell apart in their recruiting class, their current recruiting class. So this game really is big when you think about just the difference of winning and the difference of losing in terms of uh, what could potentially uh, snowball into. I I agree. This is – when I went into this season, I looked at this Indiana game and said it's the most important game of the year. You're sandwiched between two national championship contenders in Michigan State and Ohio State. This is a road game that Rutgers has to win. And now at two and three, Rutgers loses this game. They're not going to a bowl game. They don't get an extra three weeks of bowl practices. They don't get the bowl gifts. They don't get the media attention. You know, you have to look at Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Michigan now as there's a very, very good chance Rutgers goes zero and three in those games. When there's nothing wrong with that. These are very good teams. But you got to beat Indiana if you're Rutgers. This is a huge game. This, in my opinion, is the biggest game of the season. Yeah, and, and, and not only, you know, as you mentioned, you know, it's not just the fact of going 0-3 in those three games, which really is not, you know, unexpected. But, you know, those are three very good teams. Um, but then you have a Nebraska team that, that's kind of struggling and, and, and is possibly open for, for a, uh, an upset. Um, you know, and then there's obviously Army and then the expectation that you could at home uh, play and beat Maryland. But the physicality over those next three games, and this is where teams like Rutgers and Indiana have issues, is, is at the depth. Uh, you know, you've seen it with Indiana with the, the quarterback play. You know, yes, they got some guys that can play, and, you know, you saw how they hung in there with Ohio State, but you start to take away those players, like you took Rutgers was going without Leontay Carew at Penn State, and you see that there's now a difference. So the physicality, you know, just because you they might be able to play Nebraska – uh, right now, but if you're beat up in three weeks, uh, that opportunity also goes away as well. Yeah, we saw how injuries affected Michigan State on Saturday. Not that that's an excuse for their poor play. Rutgers played a heck of a game. But I think that you could see the same thing for Indiana. I, I mean, you're banged up at quarterback, you're banged up at running back, and you, you know, you just got smoked by Penn State. So is it the team that scared Ohio State that shows up, or is it the team that lost to Penn State? Same thing for Rutgers. Is it is it last Saturday's team that shows up, or is it the one that lost to Wazoo and Penn State? That's a great point. And, you know, the, I think the biggest, uh, you know, really news or, or, I mean, what's going to tell a lot really is that injury report for, for uh, Indiana, particularly the quarterback play. I look back to last year and uh, – that in, in as again was one of my more amazing performances by by Kevin Coleman in that game and uh, you know he was basically just running off tackle you know just a counter trade and and they couldn't keep up with him with no ability to pass the ball it was kind of amazing and some of the you know worst quarterback players I've seen in games so uh, the drop off as we mentioned earlier in the game uh, in the show it, it, it's big and it's big for for Rutgers. Now, in terms of Rutgers and injuries, uh, how are they looking uh, heading into this game? For this point in the year, I would consider Rutgers very fortunate on the injury front. Losing Darius Hamilton was disappointing, but we 
pretty much expected that the whole time for Rutgers to be without him this season, and Julian Penix Odrick has more than picked up the slack. The the concern this week is going to be the health and the general depth of the defense secondary. Kai Hester got banged up against Michigan State, but he practiced today. Davon Jacobs has missed two games with injuries, but he practiced today. Jarius Adams practiced today. So these guys are practicing, which is usually a good sign when it comes to Saturday. But they're pretty banged up, and Rutgers can't afford to lose any more bodies. As far as the overall injuries this season, however, Rutgers is incredibly fortunate. Uh, They've lost one starter for the season, and they lost a backup linebacker in T.J. Taylor during the spring. Other than that, it's a pretty healthy team. Now, you know, in terms of the, you know, you bring uh, bring back some questions that I had in terms of uh, personnel in the secondary. Um, I, I, Devin Carter was playing. Um, was he was he playing a little bit on the safety side of things this weekend? They they have him working at linebacker, but then with some of the injuries at running back, they moved Carter back to a running back fullback role. Now he's kind of doing a little bit of both as a scout team guy. Okay, so then um, then I was just curious because also James has been mixing in there. So these are a lot of players who probably really, because of all the uh, the issues they had depth-wise, normally wouldn't have to be burning their red shirts and playing. So it really is a stress on, on the team in terms of uh, – uh, that depth and those injuries more even takes it out even further. Yeah, I, as far as burning red shirts, I wouldn't be surprised if Paul James or sorry Ronnie James is able to get his. He hasn't played recently, and if there's any documented injury, he should be able to get a red shirt. And I would say the same about true freshman fullback tight end Anthony Folkerts. He played against Norfolk State, and we haven't seen him since. So some of those guys should be able to get their red shirts back, barring future injury. But as far as guys you have seen a lot of, John Badeke, Bless Austin, Jarius Adams, Deontay Roberts, those guys, uh, those guys will not. And um, how about Andre Hunt? Has he been getting into the mix? Uh, haven't seen him on the field as often. Well, unfortunately, the only time you really saw him against Michigan State was when he got beat on the uh, two late big plays. So, you know, it's a, it's a safety. This you got to keep in mind that Andre Hunt was a running back his whole life. Now he's being asked to cover elite NFL caliber receivers and tight ends. So it's a slow transition, but he's still out there. Now that they have Kai Hester and Davon Jacobs healthy, knock on wood, probably won't see too much Andre Hunt outside of special teams. Yeah, I mean, obviously not not meaning to pick on, on a particular player, but, yeah, I mean, that was a play uh, late in the game. And, you know, again, you know, you got to feel for a lot of these guys that are, you know, n- not in their natural positions and, and then uh, you know, doing the best that they can but just not in their right spot. And I think, um, uh, you know, even, even, you know, look, let's go back to what the team should have been and, and – you know, I bring up that play on that third down and eight, and, and you know, that's a that's a play where, you know, you have a guy like Barnwell who's a junior and, uh, you know, potential NFL prospect and on one side, you know, Boggs on the other, 
uh, you know, guys like uh, a guy like Austin, who, who's who's really a tremendous talent. You know, it was more of a nickelback in that situation, not not the main guys. And and then you you just you're putting players, uh, you know, like Wharton, who who probably is more of a safety really than a corner. And uh, you know, in that situation, and, and as you mentioned, Hunt and players that just really, to you know, to their defense, this probably you know shouldn't be there or should be more. Uh, they're still learning. You know, obviously most of them are freshmen. Or you know, playing another position, whether it be safety or, or you know, or, or nickelback. Jerry, you're right about the position thing, and Andre Hunt's a great example of a guy that, you know, look, he, he again, he was running back his whole life, and now he's learning to cover. You, you've got guys like Anthony Chaffee that are playing four different positions. Heck, even on offense, look at J.J. Demon. He's everyone knows he's had a rough time at right tackle this year. But that's because he's a guard. He's playing where Rutgers needs him, and whenever you have guys out of position like that, that's where you struggle. Yeah, most definitely. Now, in terms of uh, you mentioned about the injuries that Rutgers is relatively uh, healthy now, uh, you know, game planning wise, I think this was a game where you know, I guess I don't you know, I guess Chris and I are you know quieted some of his detractors that now. Um, you know, didn't tear it up uh, in terms of the total yardage. Uh, uh, he clearly has a, a a plan when he goes out there, which is to get the ball to uh, Leonte Teru. And, uh, you know, Michigan State was obliging with that plan, so nothing is wrong with it. Um, now comes the rest of the season. Uh, you know, I think uh, <laughs> you, know, you have to watch film, but uh, you pretty much know that he's going to want to get the ball to Teru. So they're going to look to take away that. Uh, you know, now Rutgers will look to run the ball, obviously, but in terms of shading coverages, I think Carew will get a lot more attention. Um, he still has to, in my opinion, uh, make some of those other throws, particularly, uh, you know, I caught one or two times where I thought Janarian Grant was open in the seam and, and, and he still went out to the outside. Um, I don't know. I want to get your opinion on, on how you think he's progressing or, you know, even in terms of uh, his play uh, this past Saturday. I haven't seen a ton of change, positive or negative, in Chris Laviano since since training camp. He, he is what he is, and that's a guy that can move around a little bit. He can he can throw accurately within five to ten yards, and he can find Leonte Carew. And so that's what Rutgers is asking him to do. Uh, I, I understand the frustrations of fans with Chris Laviano, but he he's the best option. Rutgers has with, with some of the struggles in pass protection and Laviano's knowledge of the playbook. Th- this isn't a a freshman or sophomore playing like when you looked at a young Tom Savage or a young Gary Nova where you could clearly see that that potential to reach the next level. It's a little different, but when I look at Chris Laviano, I look at a guy that can ru- execute the Rutgers game plan. Now, when that game plan is bootleg or throw to Leonte Carew, defenses are going to eventually figure that out, you would think. But, heck, Michigan State's a great defense, and they didn't. So maybe maybe it's a little more complex. Yeah, and, and uh, it's, it's a great point. I mean, uh, it was, you know, I don't know whether Carew was reinstated late in, in the week or, or, you know, what it was exactly. Um, but it, it didn't seem that they were – going out of their way to, to take him out of the game, and, and that might have been something there. Now, um, whether whether Indiana can do that even if they want to, that's another story. 
Um, but I, I do think that this was the best game then, then, you know, in terms of Ben Don Daniels calling. Uh, but then again, you know, part of that is probably because things were working somewhat and you can do it. I mean, there was, you know, that, that play would, you know, it looked like you were in, in a power eye and, and it ended up going, you know, going opposite across the field to Carew and just a really nice design play. And, um, I, you know, it, the first couple of games, there was some of that typical Rutgers, like, you know, why are we being so conservative? But uh, it, it seemed like this game, again, they opened it up a little bit. And, you know, one would hope that, you open it up also against the Indianas. Don't get tight and, and get too uh, conservative when you did that against the Michigan State. I look at Indiana, and if Rutgers doesn't feed its running backs, I'm going to be unhappy. Uh, this is a game where Rutgers needs to pound the football with its three running backs because that's what it's going to you know, control the clock. It's going to get yardage. I guarantee you Rutgers can average four and a half yards a carry against that defense. And I don't want to see Rutgers get away from it and try to get cute with too many shots to Carew when they don't need to. In my opinion, it's it's all about the ground game this week. When you look at last week, I agree that there's always a little – Rutgers is always a little more conservative than you would like. And I think that when you look at that decision to kick a field goal at the end, that's where the uh, – you wish Rutgers a little more liberal, a little more willing to take a risk, show confidence in his players. But, hey, that game plan worked. The, the One or two balls bounce the other way, and Rutgers has the upset. Yeah, yeah, you definitely um, – I mean, it, it was a tough call. I mean, I mean, obviously the right thing to do was – just kick the field goal, um, you know, and 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 really, like I, you know, they had them, they had them down to third and eight, and obviously Michigan State could not uh, go for it on fourth down there, so they almost had the ball back. Uh, but you're right; I mean, definitely, uh, it, you know, it wouldn't have been shocked the world if they would have went for it on fourth down and, and you know, got <laughs> frankly just go right back to Carew. I mean, he was so close to catching that that fourth down, and and, and the play before really, Robin Martin was. Just a you know shoot race away from going into the end zone was kind of a, uh, was a tough one. Now let me ask you in terms of the running backs, um, you know for one, uh, you know Paul James, uh, uh, you know had that 72 yard run uh, and he still you know has that ability to break and pop those, uh, but we didn't see much of him uh, afterwards. Uh, you know Hicks and Martin were doing well, but. Uh, you know, is this really a three-headed monster with Hicks kind of being the one that's trusted uh, a little bit more? Or, you know, what's your take on, on the situation? That's how I would like it to be, where Hicks is trusted a little bit more and gets a little bit more action. Because you look at those three, and Hicks is clearly the one with the most physical talent and knowledge right now. But to me, I look at the, this rotation and, and the Rutgers strategy, and, and it's really it's a clear change in philosophy and that shows me that Kyle Flood's looking to shake things up to be more successful he, he's all all about in the past his first couple of years here has been all about ride the hot hand at running back so to me against Michigan State that means you stick with Paul James after he breaks the 70 yard run not bench him <laughs> for the rest of the game so to me it's a it's a clear philosophy change and I asked Kyle Flood about this on Tuesday and he told me you know, it might not make too much sense now, but in game 11 when we have three fresh elite running backs, I think that our Army and Maryland are going to understand what we're doing. 
you know, that's a good point. And um, not only that, or even even almost like psychological, because you, you know, when it, it's tough because they have to deal with James' injuries and uh, his whole career, and and he's looked good so so always so early, and then he becomes the workhorse, and then you lose him, and then it's like just scrambling. But now there's no scrambling because all three of these guys are working into the game, and. And and don't forget, I mean, you know, obviously if you had to even give you know Goodwin a few more carries if one of these guys oh, yeah. went down, and and Goodwin plays a lot in in the passing game, so definitely a, a, an interesting. Uh, but you know, the one uh, I think you know from the offensive standpoint is, you know, I, I would like to see them. You know, we all want to see them stretch to feel a little deeper, but some of these where you're gonna, I want to see what 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 Daniels does now playing off of Carew, you know. Uh, you know the the one play that did ups, uh, kind of upset me a little was that shotgun. Uh, you know, and they cleared out the backfield. Where uh, to me, in that situation, you just you, you roll out loud and you put Carew and anyone in the world underneath him is going to be wide open on on the, on the third down, short third down there. So we'll see if they can maybe work like Janarian Grant a little bit more in the seam or underneath. And uh, you know, really, they need to get another player. Uh, I don't know, you know, who you think that might be, whether it's Grant or Aguadosi or Patton, but but someone else is going to have to get involved, I think, uh, you know, for them to be successful the rest of the season. You would hope that Ben McDaniels has put in a phone call or had the conversation with Ralph Regan about what Rutgers did against Maryland last year, because to me that's the perfect example of what Rutgers should be in the passing game, which is spreading the love and using Leontay Carew's star power to get other players involved. You mentioned Janarian Grant, and he he, conti- he continues to impress me in practices. He 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 and Andre Patton are inconsistent, but they're good options for Rutgers. And if I'm Rutgers, I really got to find a way to get Carlton Agadosi on the field. He may not be the best away from the X position, uh, the X wide receiver position, but that's a kid that's done nothing but do right things and work hard for four years and he's done so behind a star player. So that's got to be tough for him. It's like sitting behind Brett Favre or, you know, sitting behind Curtis Martin back in the day with the Jets. You, you work hard, you do the right things, and you don't get playing time because Leontay Caruso so good. I would love to see Rutgers find some way to reward Agadosi for his hard work and get him on the field. Now, I've got two more quick questions for you before I let you go, and let me just throw out the number 914 one six nine four. Um, uh, though I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, though, about the Maryland game because uh, I, that was one of Gary Nova's best games, and that game he was making some NFL throws. And, uh, True, especially in that comeback. But but the, the point being, you're right. I mean, they do have to see. It's kind of leads me to like a little bit of a, an interesting question. You know, this yeah, there's always guys that, especially in college football, because people are constantly maturing at different levels and. Uh, different parts of the curve, the learning curve. The only player, you know, you mentioned Abadosi, but maybe a guy, uh, either offensive or defensive, that hasn't seen much in, you know, playing time now. You know, I think Kenny Brewer back in there is using an offensive player, but who you think maybe will end up, uh, you know, kind of making an impact in the last, say, four games or six games of the season that we haven't seen much of yet? It, it may sound a little crazy, and I guess I'm going out on a limb here, but. But don't write off Jawan Harris, the freshman wide receiver from Fort Lauderdale. He's been injured, and he's healthy now. He's 100% practicing every day. 
And based on what I see from him in practice, I wouldn't be surprised for Kyle Flood to say, you know what, this kid can help us this year. We need him on the field. Let's get him the football. You mentioned guys like Kenny Britt that, you know, he did it as a freshman, came in late and had a great impact in 06. I I wonder if Juwan Harris could do something similar. He's a great athlete. He was the best receiver on one of the best high school football teams in the country. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the field this year, but if he does end up redshirting, you're going to see him plenty next year. Oh, that's amazing, especially with the talent that, that Rutgers has. That's an interesting call. Now, he's 5'11", 190, so, so you know, what, what kind of mold does he fit in of, of some of the you know, receivers that we've seen over the years? I, I would love to say, you know, it's tough. He he, remind, he, he has a little Muhammad Sanu in him and his versatility. He He's much faster than Sanu, but not, you know, as big and strong. Maybe, maybe a Tim Brown is a good comparison, but Harris – has better size than Tim Brown. It's tough. You know, I think I would have to go with Tim Brown based on the receivers I've seen, but he is a little bit of a different style than Tim Brown. Uh, so he's definitely a player to look out. And then lastly, my final one is, um, you know, Rutgers put on a good show, uh, you know, for, for the fans and TV. Um, you know, obviously a lot of recruits at the games, um, you know, did hear, you know, early on or with the feedback um, that, you know, it, things went well in terms of uh, what most of the kids um, saw? Yeah, I mean, any time that you have a blackout close to a sellout, kids are going to love it. The weather was nice. They had some cool new things on the scoreboard for the kids that they enjoyed. But when you look at Rashawn Gary visiting Rutgers or Devin, sorry, not Devin Fuller, Jordan Fuller, his younger brother, when when you look at those big-time kids, they're going to look at that game and they're going to say, oh, Rutgers played well. But it's not something that's going to impact their decision one way or another. Now, when I look at the recruiting game, I thought that Rutgers helped itself with two offensive linemen from Philadelphia. That's Yasir Durant and John Carlo Valentin. Rutgers wants both of them, and I thought Rutgers helped itself on Saturday. I would say the same about wide receiver Donald Stewart from Paramus Catholic. Those three guys, all 2016 prospects, visited, got a lot of time with the coaches, and I would think that Rutgers has risen on all of their lists as a result. That's good. It's great to hear. And like you said, obviously, uh, you know, the, the players like Gary, uh, you know, that's not going to sway them one uh, way or the other. So uh, it's a good point. But uh, some of the younger guys that get themselves uh, used to and accustomed to, to being there and seeing those kind of games. Well, Sam, I appreciate you being on the show again. Uh, everybody knows to follow you at com, and uh, you're pretty active on Twitter. So, uh, uh, you know, everyone will track you and uh, appreciate you, and we'll talk again in the future. Definitely, Jerry. You have a good night. Thanks, you. All right, thanks. And that wraps up uh, another, um, you know, pretty good show. It was actually um, both uh, mm-hmm. Sam's uh, were great guests, and uh, I appreciate it. We definitely will... Uh, get this show out there and uh, you know try to uh, retweet this one as much as possible. It was a really good show and I appreciate both of them uh, getting in there. And, uh, you know, again, from Indiana and Rutgers perspective, this is a big game. This is, you know, this is, you know, there's going to be national championship type games around the nation, but this is a big program type of game because, uh, you know, we talked about it early. I mean, you're talking potential, you know, the loss and the swings and potential coaching changes, 
a lot is on the line for both teams, both coaches, and uh, uh, you know it will be another physical game, I think, and 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 a good game, and uh, you know really one of the small storylines, but big storylines for us Rutgers fans. So look, uh, we'll do this again. I might keep this to the Wednesday night schedule again, and appreciate everyone listening. This is all you fan Jerry.